The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we started a series many weeks ago talking about every prayer answered. Amen. And uh, we say that it is God's will uh, that every single one of our prayers is answered. And the answer uh, when we pray is usually what? Yes and amen. Because God has already put that tag on every single one of his promises. He has put a yes and he has put an amen on it. And so when we pray, uh, that's God's will for us. He wants to uh, answer every single one of our prayers. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter number 6. He said, ask and you shall receive. He didn't say ask and there's a good chance if God is feeling all right that he will answer your prayers. He says, if you ask, you shall. And that word shall is a legal term. Really, that means there is no other way. You're actually going to receive what you ask for. Can I get an amen? But there is a difference between going to God in complaining and murmuring and asking from God in faith. Amen. God wants us to ask in in faith. And so we've been talking about uh, this prayer uh, thing and uh, how important it is. And the foundation of prayer, we already said, is fellowship. It is uh, establishing a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Amen. And uh, if you read in Ephesians chapter number 6, uh, verse 18, still talking about prayer, it says this in the NIV, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And so we are uh, encouraged uh, here to pray in the Spirit all the time. Now, uh, praying in the Spirit for the majority of us who come from a uh, um, charismatic background, you know, praying in the spirit is praying in tongues, right? But really, every prayer you pray should be prayed in the spirit. Nothing should be done in the flesh. Can I get an amen? And so he says, when we pray, we must pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, which means there are occasions that are befitting for certain kinds of prayers. He said, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And so what we learned from this is that there are different kinds of prayers. Uh, our God is a God of variety and he has given us different ways by which we can approach him and establish this relationship with him. Amen. And uh, uh, we've already learned a few of them, you know, uh, building up to today. Uh, we talked about the prayer of consecration last week. We talked about the prayer of uh, agreement. We talked about praying in tongues. We talked about meditation. Uh, we talked about prayer of petition. And so we've talked about all these different prayers that we see in God's word. And I might add 
Uh, this does not mean when you're praying, you know, the prayer of meditation, you don't pray the prayer of petition. Sometimes all these prayers are intertwined in one prayer. Amen. If you look at the Lord's Prayer, which is really our prayer, the one he gave to us as a model for what prayer is. How does it start? Our Father who art in heaven. So you start by praise and worship, right? Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you start asking within the same prayer, give us today uh, our daily bread as as we, you know, uh, uh, give us our, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, deliver us from evil, and then how does he end? He goes back to praise, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so in one prayer, we see all the different kinds of prayers intertwined together. And so that's really important for you to know that these things uh, work together. And so today we're looking at uh, one other prayer. Today is the grand finale. We're looking at what is known, you can see it in scripture, what is known as the prayer of praise and thanksgiving. The prayer of praise and thanksgiving. What is God's attitude towards thanksgiving? I put this in my book, you know, every prayer answered, and this is what I said. Praise and thanksgiving rank as one of the highest reasons God created mankind. Did you hear what I say? What did I say? Praise and thanksgiving, it ranks as one of the reasons why God created mankind. And so this is not just an accessory to a successful prayer life, but it forms the part of the outfit. Amen? You know, when ladies uh, dress up to go someplace, uh, uh, they have a handbag. Uh, as an accessory, but you know, guys also do have uh, these days. <laughs> dudes have a, I mean, it's all it's different, right? Now you never catch me carrying a handbag. Praise the Lord! But I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. I was, did I say ladies carry handbags and guys too? Twenty. I never thought I would be saying that, but anyway, you know, guys have an accessory, right? It's a wallet. I wish I had my wallet, but I don't. But for guys, it's really an accessory because, you know, it's not part of the outfit. Now, for ladies, the, the, I found out that the bag has to match the outfit because it's a part of what's going on. It must match the shoes or the, you know, the, it's a whole thing going on. And so it is with Thanksgiving. It's not just an accessory that you put in your back pocket. It's actually a part of your prayer life, a big part of your prayer life. Amen? Uh, one to which if you ignore, you will not have a successful prayer life. We're talking about prayer. So what is God's attitude towards praise, thanksgiving, and gratitude? Let's go to Deuteronomy Chapter number 28, we're going to read from verse uh, 47 to 48. Deuteronomy, uh, chapter number 28, 47 to 48. And this is God, you know, uh, reprimanding the children of Israel. And this is what he said in verse 47. He says, because you did not serve the Lord your God with what? With joy and gladness of heart. For the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in, air, in need of everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. And so we see here in Deuteronomy 28, 47, how uh, God views, I mean, this is a strong reproach from God towards the children of Israel. Deuteronomy 28 is the chapter that talks about the blessings and the curses. Amen. And so God, you know, uh, uh, pronounces the blessings over the children of Israel. You 
are the head, not the tail. You're blessed going in, you know, uh, blessed coming out. And then when we get to the curses part, it starts to say uh, one of the reasons why this curse is coming upon you is because you did not serve with gladness. Now, for you and I, we don't have to worry about the curse part. Why? Because we are redeemed from the curse. Amen. Amen. You are redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Be made a curse for us. Uh, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles by faith. And so you and I are redeemed from the curse. But what we can learn here is God's attitude towards thanksgiving is pretty strong. I mean, this thing was going to come upon them because they served the Lord with no joy and without gladness of heart. And so we see here that God is, is quite serious about thanksgiving. It's not just an accessory. Can I get an amen? Second Timothy chapter number 3, it says this. He says, uh, the Apostle Paul is talking about the last days. You know, the days that you and I live in. And he's talking to his son Timothy and he's giving him a warning. He says this. He says, I know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will become lovers of themselves. How many of you know that that's a terrible thing to be a lover of yourself? When God has called us to serve our communities and to serve other people. Amen. He says there will be lovers of money. How many of you know that to love money? I mean, it's a terrible thing. He says it in First Timothy 6.10. He says uh, the love of money, what is it? It's the root of all evil. This is a terrible thing. Anybody agrees? And he also says men shall be boasters. Is this a terrible thing? That's a terrible thing. They shall be proud, uh, blasphemous, disobedient to parents. You know, I learned something, uh, an idiom in, in, in high school called this. They say birds of the same feathers, what do they do? They flock together, right? They fly together. And so we see here a bunch of birds that are flying. Lovers of money is a bird. Boastfulness is a bird. Pride is a bird. Blasphemy is a bird. Uh, disobedient to parents is another bird. That's flying. All of these birds, uh, they've got the same feathers. And in the same group, that flock, they're flocking together. He puts unthankful. People who are unthankful. They are as bad as people who love money. From God's perspective, I didn't say this. This is the Lord that's preaching to us this morning. Amen. He says, uh, unthankful, unholy, uh, unloving, unforgiveness, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haunty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof and from such people turn away. One of the people we are instructed to turn away from is people who are unthankful. Not Pastor T preaching, it's the Apostle Paul writing. Amen? People who are just murmurers and complainers. That's the opposite of of uh, being grateful and being thankful. Amen? Yeah. I said amen. And so the Apostle Paul, you know, he brings a, 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 he makes it real clear here that from God's perspective, I mean, all this bunch of people uh, in the last days, these people are going to become more uh, pronounced, more evident, more easy to identify. I mean, we live in a time where people are just ungrateful. It doesn't matter what you do. People are just ungrateful. They want more. Amen. Let's go to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. We're going to read uh, from verse 1. 
Psalm 100 verse 1. Uh, he says this. He says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Man, this verse uh, set me free uh, to also sing when the praise and worship people are singing. You know, I, 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 I don't necessarily know how to sing in key. But thank God the Lord didn't say sing something melodic. He said just make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So at least I qualify. You know, he says make a joyful noise unto the Lord, O ye lands. Serve the Lord with what? Man, if you decide you're going to do something for God, he doesn't want you doing it all sad and sorrowful and disinterested. If you're going to do something for the Lord, you better show up with some gladness in your heart. You better put on your dancing shoes and come to serve the Lord. Even kings in the natural, they won't take people who are sad and sorrowful and disinterested. When a king shows up, there ought to be some ululations. There ought to be some whistling. There ought to be some dancing and some music. Amen? And the king of kings is asking for the same. He says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with what? With singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us. Not we ourselves. We are the people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4. Enter into his gates with what? I didn't hear that. With what? He says when you enter into his gates, you're going to do that through thanksgiving now. He's talking about how you and I can enter into God's manifest presence. There's a difference between God's omnipresence and God's manifest presence. Amen? God's omnipresence. God is everywhere. You know, God is in, in the club right now. God's presence is there, right? Uh, God's presence is in hell. David said, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. Amen? But God's presence, while it's there in the club, they can never feel his presence. You know why? Because there's a difference between omnipresence and manifest presence. He's talking about stepping into the manifest presence of God. And you do that through thanksgiving. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. It's interesting, and I'm still looking for this verse, you know, that, that starts with, the, with these words, you know, and, you know, I know you guys are the, the educated ones. You may be able to help me. I'm still looking for it. One that starts with these words, and I suggest you do this. No, this is not a suggestion. This is coming as a divine imperative, a divine instruction, because God wants us to get the benefit out of it. And so he says, when you come to God, you better put your dancing shoes on, you better shout, you better scream, you better have gladness in your heart. Amen? You better enter his gates with thanksgiving. Not with sorrow in your heart. Amen? Enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? Verse 5. For the Lord, he is good, and his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures unto all generations. Man, this is good. Let's go to Luke chapter number 9. What are the benefits of, of praising God and uh, giving thanks to God? Luke chapter number 9 from verse 12 to 17. I'm reading in the NIV. It says, late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him, him being Jesus, and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. And he replied, you give them something to eat. Man, I like Jesus' uh, attitude around life in general. He believed that the church 
the group of people that knew him were the solution center for the world. We are the solution to a dying world out there. Amen? There's nobody else that's going to come as powerful as you and I. We are the believers. We are the ones who God has put all of heaven on the inside of us. And he has put all the solutions on the inside of us so that we can uh, minister to the world. So Jesus said, you give them something to eat. And they answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd... Nothing is going to happen. That's what they're saying impliedly. And uh, verse 14, but Jesus said to his disciples, have them sit down, the crowds, in groups of 50 each. The disciples did so and everyone sat down. And Jesus taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave what? I didn't hear that. What did he give? Jesus gave thanks. And what did he do? He broke them. Then he gave to them to the disciples to distribute to the people and they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over man there is so much loaded in this but the first thing we see is that when jesus took the two fish and the five loaves uh, the bible says he looked unto the heavens or he looked up to the heavens right and uh you know, I say this before and I'm going to say it again. You know, when you say the word heaven or the spiritual realm to an average Christian, they are thinking this is a place uh, located geographically somewhere far out there beyond the clouds and beyond the sky and somewhere out there, right? That's why if you say to, to, to us right now, point towards heaven, all of us are going to point. But I want to suggest something else that's different from that. When we say heaven or the spiritual realm, we're just talking about what is known as the invisible realm. It's right here. Heaven is right here. The angels are right here, all of us. Amen? And so when God answers your prayer, he's not sending your prayer from, uh, you know, uh, a million miles away. And it's going to take him. No, no, no. It's happening right here. And so when he says Jesus looked up into the heavens, it's not talking about Jesus looking into a place that's far off. It's talking about Jesus looking into a different reality. If you look up that phrase, looking up, it's in the Greek anablepo. Ana, which means secondary, and blepo, which means sight. And so what Jesus did is he took the two fish and the five loaves. He looked into a different realm. He looked into a different reality. He looked into the reality of God. And in the reality of God, God said he will supply all of his needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In God's realm, there were no limitations. This is why after Jesus peeped into that realm, he came back and said thank you. Even though in the natural, nothing had changed. Because he saw something that was much bigger than the reality that he was holding in his hands. Amen? And because of that, that thanksgiving that burst forth from his heart when he pronounced it, what was not enough all of a sudden became more than enough to the point that they collected 12 basketfuls. And I studied this. It's talking about a basket as big as can fit an average man. From two fish to five loaves, everything was multiplied and they collected the overflow of that and put it in baskets and filled up 12 baskets. 
What happened? Jesus transitioned from just dealing in the natural realm by looking into the spiritual realm. And how do you access the spiritual realm? Enter his gates with? And into his courts with? Some of you have been stuck outside the realm of abundance because you've been complaining and murmuring. Man, when you take that two fish and five loaves and you start complaining, nothing changes. Lord, I don't know. God, I don't know why you sent me here. I can't even feed these people. Look at what I have. Only two fish and five loaves. What can I do with this? That, that was the disciples' attitude. But Jesus took the two fish and the five loaves and he said, thank you. And when he did that, what was not enough was multiplied. And watch this. It became more than enough. Amen. Thanksgiving will give you access to an anointing that brings uh, multiplication. God hasn't called us to look around. He has called us to look up. Amen. Amen. When you look around, nothing can come out of it except to complain and mama. When you watch the news, you never burst forth into thanksgiving and praise. Oh, let me move right along. Let's go to Psalm 8. Verse 2. What are the benefits of thanksgiving? You access the, uh, the abundance of God through thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Number 2. Psalm 8 uh, verse 2. It says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, thou, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the uh, avenger. So he's saying here, uh, in Psalm 8 verse 2, God has ordained strength, right, in the mouth of his children. And this strength that God has ordained in the mouth of his children, it has the power to stop the enemy in his tracks. Now, what is this strength that God has uh, 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 ordained on his children? If you go to Matthew 21, 16, Jesus begins to make a commentary on that. And he says this, he said unto them, uh, verse 2, Verse 16 of uh, Matthew 21. And he said unto him, Hearest thou these say? Jesus said unto them, Yea, have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected what? Praise. So I want to submit to you this morning that perfected praise is ordained strength. Amen. Your strength, whenever you feel tired, and man, you don't feel like facing another day, and all the strength is sapped out of you, do you know how you regain your strength? You do it through praising God. Amen. Amen. Praise brings you into a place of ordained strength. That is the power to stop the enemy in his tracks. David comes back to Ziglag. If you go and read over there in the book of uh, First Chronicles, David comes back to Ziglag, and when he comes back, he comes back to a city that has been plundered. They have burnt down the city, took the women and children, and took their wives, and, and took off the enemy. And when David got there, the men were so discouraged, they didn't have strength, they cried until they all passed out. And then when they got up, they started talking about stoning David. And so the Bible says David began to encourage himself in the Lord. How do you regain strength? You regain strength through perfected praise, through lifting up a praise. Why? Because whatever you focus on grows. When you focus on your enemy, the enemy begins to grow. When you focus on your problems, your problems begin to grow. When you focus on God, God begins to grow in your life. 
And so how do you uh, focus on God? You start to praise him. Whatever you praise grows. Man, some of you have praised your problems so much, they've become mountains impossible to move. Have you ever heard these people talk about their problems, their financial problems? I mean, you'd think it's a God. Ooh, oh man, everything is bad right now. Ooh, I, I don't even know. They're worshiping that sucker. Man, God doesn't call you to focus on your problems. He's called you to focus on him. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. <coughs> David shows up to the valley and his brothers had been spending all their time, God's time, praising Goliath. For 30 odd days, the nation of Israel had been praising Goliath. And in their eyes, Goliath grew. Every single day, they praised him. They would gather there and say, Goliath, look at him. Oh, he's big. Look at that. Oh, he's big. Look at that. Oh, he's intimidating. Every single day. But David shows up with a different mindset. And he talks to his brother and says, what's up? What's going on? And they try to recruit him to get him into their choir of praising Goliath. They say, there's this big bad boy. He comes out every single morning and he challenges that. And for the last 30 days, he's been tormenting us. And David doesn't join in with that choir. He asks the question. He said, what shall be done to a man that shall kill that dude? And they said, you, you won't have to pay taxes. That should have motiv motivated all of us in here. <laughs> Says, you won't have to pay taxes another day in your life. David said, what else? They said, uh, you get to marry the, the king's daughter. And he said, I'm in. Sign me up. I'm going to kill this dude. But I like David. When he goes into the valley, he does not praise Goliath like the rest of the nation of Israel. David talks down on Goliath and he starts praising God. Amen. Amen. He doesn't praise Goliath. He walks into the valley and, uh, 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 you know, Goliath starts talking to him. He says, am I a dog that you come to me with stones and sticks? And David says this. He doesn't say, oh, man, Goliath, you are just so awesome. He doesn't say, oh, man, so when you hear some, some of these people talk about their sicknesses, when you hear some of these people talking about their problems, they're worshiping them things. They're like, oh, man, this thing passed. Oh, the doctor said it, it's, it's incurable. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. The doctor said, I can't be helped. That's what the doctor said. They're worshiping Goliath. Just one amen in the front. Just, yeah, it's just amen. It was really soft, though. <laughs> amen? amen? When you hear people um, worship their money problems, literally, when you hear some of these people worship their problems, you could literally take our worship songs, replace the word God for their problem, and it would fit right in. You are an awesome problem. Awesome problem. You, man, why are you worshiping that thing? God doesn't call you to worship your problems. Can I get an amen? And so David doesn't worship uh, Goliath. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That's how you should talk to your problems, by the way. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares to come against the armies of the living God? He worships God, the armies of my living God. And so as you make God bigger, your problems get smaller. As you make your problems bigger, your God gets smaller. What is he going to be? Amen. Amen. And so David says, today, I'm going to cut your head. Yes. That was a good amen. Yes. 
out of out of the mouth of babes right and god ordained and amen david says this what does he say he says i'm gonna cut your head and i'm gonna feed the your carcasses to the birds when today that's how you talk to your problems you don't worship your problems amen i said amen why because god has ordained strength in our perfected praise man this is good let's go to second chronicles uh chapter number 20 we're going to read from verse 1 thank you jesus and while we're going there uh, uh you, you know your, your your thanksgiving is your faith thermometer your thanksgiving did you hear what i said is your faith thermometer if you read in colossians chapter number 2 verse 7 it says rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding therein therein what abounding therein faith with thanksgiving you know your faith is abounding when your mouth is filled with praise and thanksgiving you know your faith is struggling when your mouth is filled with complaining and murmuring. Ah, uh, just one. Mm. Just, just over here. Mm. Second Chronicles, chapter number 20, verse 1. This is what it says. It says, Some time later, the Moabites and the Ammonites accompanied by the Melunites. You know, and sometimes this happens in our lives. You know, forces of darkness will join forces to come against us. The, the, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Povertyites, the, six, the Sicknessites, the Lack of Sleepites, the Stressites, the Anxietyites, they will gang up on you. Amen? And so we can really, really relate to what Jehoshaphat is going through. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We can relate to what Jehoshaphat is going through. Because all these things are ganging up against him. And so uh, Jehoshaphat received this intelligent report that these people are coming to make uh, a war on, on the nation of Judah. Uh, Jehoshaphat received this intelligent report. A huge force is on its way from beyond the Dead Sea to fight you. There is no time to waste. There is already uh, at Hazazon Tama the oasis of. They are already at Hazazon Tama the oasis of Engedi. Verse three. Shaken, Jehoshaphat complained. No, no, no. Uh, Jehoshaphat put it on Facebook. Sometimes you gotta face your problems and not Facebook them. He says, Jehoshaphat went to God. Jehoshaphat prayed. Amen. Jehoshaphat prayed. He went to who? God. And he says, come on in. Come on in boldly into the throne room of grace so that you can obtain help and mercy in times of need. So whenever we have problems, we don't, you know, we run to God. We don't run away from him. He went to God for help and ordered a nationwide fast. We already talked about the purpose of fasting is not to move God. God has already moved by grace. The purpose of fasting is to uh, sensitize yourself so you can hear clearly. Amen. So they went on a nationwide fast and uh, the country of Judah united the prayer of agreement, united in seeking God's help. They all came from all the cities of Judah to pray to God. And as they were praying to God, seeking for help, verse 14, a prophetic word came in. Then Jehaziel was moved by the Spirit of God to speak from the midst of the congregation. Jehaziel was the son of Zechariah, 
the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, the Levite of the Asaph clan. The reason is uh, spelling all of that is so that we can realize that there was a heritage or a legacy of faith. He's trying to get us to realize that this man who's speaking just didn't come out of nowhere. He went through the discipleship of Zechariah, who went through the discipleship of Benaiah, who went through the discipleship of Jael, and this is why we have to invest into the next generation. This is why you can't just come to church by yourself and leave your kids at home. Amen. Amen. And this is why we spend over 100000 for the kids to go to the youth camp. To somebody else, it's a waste of money. Because they don't think about the future generations. But to us, it is an investment to the future of this nation, to the future of this continent. Amen? I just got a report from Jose. He said 12 kids yesterday, just last night, First night of the camp, last night, 12 kids gave their lives to Jesus Christ, made him their personal Lord and Savior, such a young age. 25 of them got baptized in the Holy Spirit. 29? 29 of them got baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying in other tongues. Last night, you tell me that's not making an impact for the next generation? And so Jehuel had been discipled by somebody else. He belonged to an, a, a legacy, a family tree of faith. Amen? And so when he got up to speak, what did he say? He said, attention everyone, all of you from out of town, all of you from Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat, God's word. Man, what a time uh, uh, when we can come to church and hear our children declare stuff and say, this is God's word. Amen? Amen? God's word, don't be afraid. It's the first thing he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't pay any mind to this vandal horde. In other words, don't worship this vast army. See, when God comes and you're struggling with your finances, the first thing he's going to say is, don't be afraid. And the second thing he's going to say is, don't pay any mind to your financial problem. So what should you pay your mind to? To God. Amen. It's called worship. Yes. He says, don't pay them any attention. Because whatever you pay attention grows. Oh, man, I'm telling you, this is good. Don't pay any mind to this vandal horde. This is God's war, not yours. Tomorrow you will go after them. See, they are already on their way up the slopes of Ziz. You will meet them at the end of the ravine near the wilderness of Jeruel. You won't Ooh, this is good. When you don't pay any mind towards them, when you know exactly who to worship, this is what your battle will turn out. You won't have to lift a hand in this battle. Just stand firm, Judah and Jerusalem, and watch God's saving work for you take shape. How does it take shape when you focus on God and you give him praise? Don't be afraid. Don't waver. What is he talking about wavering? Don't waver between two realities. Don't focus on God. Focus on the army. Focus on God. No, you keep your mind stayed on the Lord. Amen? He says, march out boldly tomorrow. God is with you. Amen. Then Jehoshaphat knelt down, bowing his uh, face to the ground, all Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshipping their problems. No, worshipping God. 
the Levites brought the Kohathites and the Korahites stood to their feet and to praise God, the God of Israel, they praised at the top of their lungs. It wasn't a half-hearted thing. Now what's interesting about this is these people are praising before the armies have been defeated. It's called a sacrifice of praise. You give it in faith. Anybody can dance when the victory has been won. It's going to take faith for you to praise God in the middle of the battle. And so they praise, not a 2022 texting halfway, you know, texting halfway through, you know, and then praise. No, it was a praise. It was a, listen, let me read it. Hear what it says. It says they praised from the top of their lungs with everything that they had. Did you see that? They were up early in the morning, ready to march into the wilderness of Tekoa as they were leaving Jehoshaphat. Where did they get this strength from? Now they're ready to march. You know, just a minute ago, they were ready to quit and give up and run. Now they're ready to march. Where did they get that? From what they're focusing on. Amen? So they got up uh, the next day. Uh, as they were leaving, Jehoshaphat stood up and said, Listen, Judah and Jerusalem, listen to what I have to say. Believe firmly in God, your God, and your lives will be firm. Believe in your prophets and you will come out on top. After talking it over with the people, so Jehoshaphat took the people and they talked it over. Jehoshaphat appointed a choir for God. Instead of Jehoshaphat putting the best warriors in front of the army, he put a choir for God. Why? Because they're getting ready to wage war of a different kind. Jehoshaphat appointed a choir for God, dressed in holy robes. They were to march ahead of the troops singing. What were they to sing? Give. Give. He didn't say, go out there and sing about your problems. He said, go out there and begin to give thanks. And as they go, went out there, they were saying, thank you, Jesus. You know, we, we have t-shirts that say, it's Yabonga Jesus, donkey Jesus. We have all these different, uh, that's the theme that you can run on if you really want to live a victorious life. They say to me many, many years ago, hey, we want to make this powerful uh, t-shirt and brand it. Uh, what would be the most powerful statement you can think of, Pastor? <laughs> it was easy for me. The most powerful statement that exists in the world today is thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, you want to wage spiritual war and win all the time? Learn how to give thanks and quit. Hey, you're going to have to resign from murmuring and complaining. Amen. Just one amen, just from... Oh, I'm telling you. It says, give thanks to God. His love never quits. They sang a one-line song over and over again. Thank you, Lord. Your love never quits. And as they did that, watch what happened. I want us to read the next eight words together in verse 22. Ready? Read. As soon as they... And you could flip that and say, as soon as you start complaining and murmuring, you're going to get the different results from what they got as soon as they started shouting and praising. Hallelujah. As soon as they started shouting and doing what? And praising. Something began to happen in the spiritual realm. God. And you want to get God involved in your life? 
you're going to have to factor in some praise and thanksgiving. Paul and Silas, they've been beaten down, stripped naked, thrown into prison. Acts chapter number 6 from verse 25. And the Bible says at midnight, at midnight, sometimes you face midnight uh, 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 situations. It says at midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing praise and they began to pray. And I know it was at the top of their lungs because it says the prisoners heard them. And it says suddenly, just like as soon as. See, suddenly there was an earthquake, right? Such that the prison doors were opened and their chains fell off. What happened there? The Bible tells us God inhabits the praises of his people. When you start praising God, God leaves heaven, wherever that is, and he comes to be with you in your problems. And how many of you know that when God comes, he is the solution. When he comes, you will fix every broken thing. And before they knew it, the prison doors were opened. Chains fell off. Things started to be fixed. Amen? I said amen. It says as soon as they started shouting and praising, God set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. As they were attacking Judah, they all ended up dead. They were trying to attack this person. God set ambushes against them. They all attacked each other. Watch what happened. <laughs> God set an ambush. The Ammonites and the Moabites mistakenly. Someone say mistakenly. Mistakenly, God blinded them. See, that's what praise does. Praise gives God an opportunity to get involved in your situation. Ooh, this is good. Some of you, you get too involved in the natural and you're messing up the process. See, you start praising, they're supposed to fire you, but they will mistakenly fire the boss that was supposed to fire you. See, but if you try to get the boss fired yourself, that's not going to work. We actually call it manipulation. In the Bible, it's called witchcraft. You're fighting the battle in the wrong realm. If you try to do it yourself, it's called fighting against flesh and blood. But when you give God the praise and let him handle your situation. Man, I've had ministers of the gospel who uh, have ascended and God has blessed them with influence. And they get to a point where, to where you know, the, their attacks from people become so evident and so real that they get an email. People are attacking them. The people write blogs about them. I was talking to uh, uh, Ashley Teradez and he was saying, man, there's this guy who did a video about me and criticizing me and so on and so forth. And I said, so what did you do about it? He says, no, I'm not going to do anything about it. I just turn it over to God. And it seemed the more that guy uh, puts out new videos about Ashley, Ashley is getting promoted. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And so they mistakenly started to attack each other. Do you all see that? They started attacking each other. Uh, uh, those from Mount Sia massacred them. And then further confused, they went at each other and all ended up killed. And as Judah came up over on the rise, uh, looking into the wilderness for the horde of barbarians, they all looked on a killing field of dead bodies, not a living soul. Why? Because God had fought their battle. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to carry off the plunder, they found more loot than they could carry off. Equipment, clothing, valuables. It took three days to cut it away. And on the fourth day, they all came together at the Valley of Blessing, Baraka, right? Pastor H, Baraka, that's what he named his son, and blessed God. That's how it got the name Valley of Blessing. What happened? 
they allowed God to get involved in their situation by focusing on what God has instructed us to focus on, which is praise and thanksgiving. Even in the natural. Man, you want to access an abundance? You want to get things to to go well with you? Start adopting. Your email should be filled with, with thank yous. Mm, just a bunch of email, just just amens, just amens in the front. Your email should not be filled with all the complaining and murmuring and, and, and attacks and accusations and things of that nature. Your email, even in the natural, you want to go places, man. People like to promote people who are thankful and who are filled with gratitude. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I remember the one time I was at the house. It was a Saturday morning and I decided I was going to fix the garden. So I went outside and started, you know, fixing the garden. And uh, at about 3, 4 p.m. I came back into the house and my wife was like, oh, man, you're so awesome. Thank you. When she said those words, thank you, I all of a sudden got a renewed strength. I felt like going back outside and just picking up <laughs> pot plants and just moving them all over again. But how many of you know that if I had walked into the house to a complaining and murmuring wife, the reality would have been different. You don't feel like doing more when people are just complaining and and murmuring. There's some people, it doesn't matter what you do, they won't change. The problem is not what's happening out there. The problem is what's happening in here. I have people that come to my office, say, Pastor, I think this is the job. This one is the job. And so, Pastor, I'm asking you to join me in prayer. We're going to pray together to make sure that I get this job. And I join in, uh, join in with them and we pray and they get their job. True story. Within six months, they come back to my office and they say, Pastor, you won't believe this, but I hate my job. True story. And because I'm a nice pastor, I'm sitting on the other side of the table, I really can't tell them that you're just a spoiled brat, a complaining, murmuring. You know, I can't say that, you know, in the office, but I can say it from the pulpit today. And because I didn't mention any names, no one should be offended. And if it's you, just keep looking straight ahead. No one will know it's you. Amen. Amen. Man, there's so many things to be thankful for. Can I get an amen? Amen. There's an old song that was written. It says, count your blessing. What should you do? Name them. How many? One by one. The song that was written says, when I look back at all that you've done for me, my soul cries, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. For saving me. It doesn't take much to live a thankful life. Just look at your feet right now. You got shoes? What do you say? Thank you you, Jesus. Breathe in. Just breathe in. Breathe out. Was that hard? Easy? Thank you Jesus. Just move your limbs. See if you can move freely. What do you say? Look at your feet again. If you don't have shoes, do you have feet? And so what do you say? See, the problem is some of you are waiting for something big to happen for you to give God thanks. And this is why you're stuck on the outside. He told us we're going to come in, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And so if you're going to experience God at this level, you have to move from complaining and murmuring to giving praise and thanksgiving. Why don't you stand on your feet? Someone shout, I'm thankful. Every single day of my life. 
Amen. Amen. If you have a car and no petrol, how many of you know that you can still give God thanks? Amen. Thank you, Lord, I have a car. I have something to wash. <laughs> amen. amen. I said amen. amen. If, if you have children, how many of you know that you can give God thanks for? You should be giving God thanks for them. Amen. amen. If, if, you, if you're married, you have a spouse, you have a husband, it may not be like, you know, the, the husband of your dreams. <laughs> He may not be Brad Pitt. But you got something to work with. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, the pastor said, bring your problems to church. And all the wives. I mean, it was a packed service, right? <laughs> pastor, I brought him. But man, I'm telling you, you can be thankful. As you go to work in the, in the morning, you know, on a Monday morning, thank you, Jesus, I have a job. As you get your salary at the end of the month, it may be two fish and five loaves in the natural. Amen. Maybe 2,500 rand. And if you're not thankful for that, you disqualify yourself from 250,000 rand. Amen. Complaining and murmuring keeps us stuck. Thanksgiving moves us into a place of promotion. And I'm telling you, if there's a generation, if there's a, a people that need to be taught this message, it's us. Because we're just looking to try and get the next thing. And if we are not looking to try and get the next thing, we are constantly comparing ourselves. And so we never get time to fully appreciate what the Lord is doing in our lives. Always looking at what somebody else got. The Lord has given you a place. You have a roof over your head. But you're looking at your neighbor to see what they have. And, and because of that, you don't have any thanksgiving rising up on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. God has blessed you with a, with a nice car that never gives you problems. It gets you from point A to point B. Uh, Aircon running, but because brother such, such and such bought a brand new car last week, now nah, all of a sudden you can't be thankful for your car because your eyes are on the wrong thing. Just one um, over here. Amen. I said amen. And we ought to be thankful. Amen. You start living this way, I'm telling you, you're positioning yourself for increase. God wants to move us into this place where two fish and five laws becomes 12 basketfuls. Overflow. Abundance. Victories won. Battles won that you and I have never have to fight. How do you do that? You do that by using the airtime God has given you to give Him thanks and to give Him praise. Man, I'm telling you, this will change your life. Amen. We're going to practice before we leave. Amen. We're going to open our mouths and begin to thank God. I want you right now uh, to begin to thank God for your family. Thank Him for your spouse. I mean, they were doing it on top of their lungs. You can at least whisper something. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for my wife. Say something. Amen. Thank you for my children. Hallelujah. 
Thank you for the opportunities that are before me. Thank you, Father. I'm grateful for your goodness. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for divine health. Thank you, Father, that we made it out of the pandemic. COVID-19 didn't take us out. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that you protected us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that my limbs all function to the perfection. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I can enjoy life in this body that you gave me. I can go to the gym. I can function. I can come to church. I can preach the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that I can open doors of opportunities for other people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You're so amazing Filled with grace Come on, say it like you mean it See you Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
pandemic was going to take you out aren't you still here amen now this was not because we are clever this was not because of the mask amen this was not because of the sanitizer no none of that it was not because of the regulation level five level six or oh, forget the vaccination it was because Jesus has kept us. So man, I'm telling you, you and I can never run out of things to be thankful for. Amen. I mean, some of you, it touched you, tried to take you out, but Jesus came and healed you. Some of you, they told you, you belonged to the high risk group. But Jesus came and said, no, you don't. No, you don't belong to the high risk group. You belong to the highly blessed, highly favored group. That's the group I belong. Highly protected group. Amen. Amen. Some of you, they told you, if it came on you, your medical aid couldn't, you know, cover the bills. You, they wouldn't put, they told you in advance, they wouldn't put you on all these complicated machines because your medical aid was, but Jesus came and said, you're not going to need that. And so because of that, we have so many reasons to say thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you protected us. And, and as we were coming out, they said, oh, there's a new one. There's another new thing coming out. Pox. What does that thing? They said, oh, that thing came and Jesus protected us from that too. And so we can say thank you, Jesus. Some of you, they told you you were going to lose your job because of, your, uh, of the pandemic. They told you they were cutting down, but you're still here. Yes. Amen. They told you your business was going to uh, 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 shrink because, hey, you, I'm still here. Thank, thank you, Jesus. They told us uh, churches were going to shut down and become irrelevant. Hey, we're still here. Amen. Amen. In fact, we saw more miracles during the pandemic. We saw more increase. Uh, we saw more uh, 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 of God's power, God's provision in the pandemic. Hey, we have too much to, to, to be thankful for. And so we won't complain. We won't murmur. You know, every year in this church, uh, starting around about November, we've done it now for two, three years in a, in a row every year starting around november all the way through Jan end of january we go on a fast it's called a no complaining fast i recommend that thing all year round man whenever you see yourself trying ooh, i'm fasting <laughs> amen it starts to rain some of you, oh, I can't believe it's right. Oh, I'm fasting. It gets cold. You're about to go, oh, I'm fasting. It gets warm. Some of you were just two months ago, you were complaining that it was too cold. Just last week, some of you last week, God turned it around. You're still complaining. 
The problem must not be the weather. <laughs> Amen. Man, I'm telling you, you start living this way, you're going to see an increase. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. That's who